Father, we ask that you will continue to be with us as you have you promised. We claim your promise. For the Holy Spirit, for wisdom, for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Alrighty, we are going to be talking about the woman, the children, the dragon, and uh, Christ. Uh, Reve- uh, from Revelation chapter 12, but we want to do a little bit of review first. And uh, like we've been doing, uh, we notice that the Declaration of Independence and the third angel's message are united. They're, they talk about the same things. And the, the God placed the United States of America uh, in a position so that the third angel's message could go from here. There's no other nation in the world that could, uh, could have been accomplished because of liberty of conscience. And we didn't have it to begin with here, but it, it, uh, it did finally made it make its way into the Constitution and Declaration. Uh, in the Declaration, we have uh, God as creator, lawmaker, judge, protector, source of all rights. It is named as such. And uh, then we have the third angel's message is he's the creator, we have the law of God. We have judgment. He's a protector. He's the source of all rights. Jesus and the faith of Jesus is dealing with that, that concept. And we considered Christ as the Savior of the world. Uh, John and 1 John, we read, read from there. And we need, need to remember that it cost Jesus his very life to give us life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And those principles are in the constitution, in the declaration. The constitution is simply an elaboration of the of the declaration, and then the Bill of Rights that uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We spoke about Darwin evolution that uh, supports the philosophy of eugenics and racism. The uh, eugenics in the started about 19, 1909, I think is the name, date that it started. About then. And uh, based on evolution, that you have some, you have superior humans and you have inferior ones, and the weak, the sickly, and that sort of type of people, or they may have uh, mental problems, uh, they are con- considered inferior. And there have been people in the United States in the 1920s and 1930s that were practicing this. They were, they were. Uh, um, sterilizing some women so they wouldn't have children. And they did other things. Um, I don't know if they ever executed anybody, but uh, the principle I think was the same in time where people died without reproducing. And then you have in Germany, uh, that philosophy was based solidly on Darwin, Darwin's philosophy. And the very title of his book had to do with superiority of race, one race over others. and. Uh, so, and we're, we're, we're still faced with that today. Um, in, when Christ came to the earth, we consider this also, Matthew 4 especially, that uh, as Christ went into the wilderness, the devil came there and tried to trip him up. And, but it was a contest of who was going to be the, the head of the, of the earth. The devil had claimed that he was the second Adam or the, uh, the federal head. And when Christ came, he knew that he was, had a com- competitor, and so he tried to get Christ to, uh, to uh, submit to him. By the way, it's interesting, chapter uh, Luke, we didn't look at it the other day, but 
In Luke chapter 4, uh, after he tempted Christ in the wilderness, Christ, uh, the devil picked him up <laughs> and carried him to the top of the, of the uh, temple and then carried him into the wilderness. I, d- I wondered how Jesus felt about that. But after he got on the, in the, uh, overlooking the, some of the plains uh, in the wilderness, the, uh, the devil evidently gave Christ a vision. Because it said he made all the nations, all the kingdoms of the world pass before him in a moment of time. So even if we have a vision, we need to check that to see if it's, if it's uh, correct, you know, where it's, where it's coming from. Um, but Jesus turned from all of that. And then we looked at uh, chapter 4, verse 4, where uh, Jesus said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And Jesus was quoting, he says, it is written, he was quoting from Deuteronomy 8.3. And the word for man there is Adam. <laughs> and so Christ was asserting his uh, supreme headship over the human race. And, and he, the devil could not uh, uh, change him from that. Uh, God's act of grace, and we looked at this, uh, we were looking at ratios and proportions, this is from the New English Bible. God's act of grace is out of all proportion to Adam's wrongdoing. For if the wrongdoing of that one man brought death to so many, its effect is vastly exceeded by the grace of God and the gift that came to so many by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ. We looked at uh, Romans 5, probably from verse um, 14, 15, 16, and 17, just briefly about about this, the, uh, the uh, racial situation. And now today we're going to start moving into Revelation 12. We've looked at chapter 14 primarily, and um, now 12. So again, the woman, the, the child, or the children, the dragon, and America. Uh, we're going to consider a little about 1260 years. This is an important time period. Uh, two mysteries were working. We'll look at that a little bit. But from 538 to 1798, there are other things that are happening. These are major ones. 1492, Columbus discovered, we went into the, into the Caribbean. Uh, 1517, Luther attacked the, Witten, the uh, thesis on the Wittenberg Church. 1620 is when the first Europeans came to America for religious freedom. Now, the, the Spanish had brought people in uh, Central and South America, and they made slaves out of the out of the Indians and uh, and, and others all, and blacks too. That came, that's where it first started. And then uh, 1776, the uh, Americans worked out the Declaration of Independence. That came first, and then the others came after that. In 1798, and there were people. There were uh, people before this time, before 1788. They some of them got close to the, the date of 1788. And many of them said it would be France that would take out the papacy. Oh. And this was, oh, some of them were 100 years before that. Yeah, but not all of them. Uh, Jesuits yeah. actually were involved in, uh, in the French Revolution. They were outlawed. But the Pope that outlawed them was murdered by the, by the Jesuits. He, he knew he was going to be. Uh, uh, the Spain, Spain and Portugal had expelled the Jesuits. And others were pre- putting pressure on the Pope to do it. Uh, world uh, in their their world, and he finally did it. But he said before he before he did it, it would cost him his life. And sure enough, they poisoned him and 
Now, here's, here's an interesting statement. The Lord Jesus is making experiments on human hearts through the exhibition of His mercy and grace, abundant grace. He is effecting transformation so amazing that Satan, with all his triumphant boasting, with all his confederacy of evil, united against God and the laws of his government, stands viewing them as a fortress impregnable to his sophistries and delusions. They are to him an incomprehensible mystery. <laughs> he just scratches his head when he sees this happening. Can't do anything about it. The angels of God, seraphim and cherubim, the powers commissioned to cooperate with human agencies, look on with astonishment. They are astonished also. But full of joy that fallen men, once children of wrath, are through the training of Christ developing characters after the divine similitude to be sons and daughters of God, to act an important part in the occupations and pleasures of heaven. Um, that's General Conference Bulletin 1893, but also Testimonies and Ministers, uh, uh, page 18. Now, have you ever wondered what one of the purposes of God is for us? Notice here. Now, how, how many angels were cast out of heaven? About a third of them, okay. Uh, did you ever think that God's going to repopulate, he repopulate heaven with human beings? Here's an interesting statement. God created man for his own glory that after test and trial, the human family might become one with the heavenly family. It was God's purpose to repopulate heaven with the human family. If they would show themselves obedient to his every word, Adam was to be tested to see whether he would be obedient as the loyal angels or disobedient. If he stood the test, his instruction to his children would have been only of loyalty. His mind and thoughts would have been as the mind and thoughts of God. He would have been taught by God as his husbandry and building. His character would have been molded in accordance with the character of God. <laughs> and that comes from Signs of Times uh, 29, 1901. Now, here's something. Do you realize that the human race has something the devils cannot do? They cannot reproduce. It's an impossibility. That's one of the reasons they hate the human race. Because the devil knows what God has planned with, uh, for us in heaven. To take his place. And it's going to be through the miracle of reproduction and conversion. And he can't stand it. That's why one of the reasons he hates the marriage institution. That's why he's you know, messed that up as well as the Sabbath. These are the two twins that came out of, out of uh, Eden. And the devil has attacked both of them. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And uh, we see it going on uh, in the world today. But uh, he still scratches his head when he sees changes in God's people. Now, the constitutional government of the United States was the political and social consequence of the teaching of justification by faith. Luther, we talked, some of you have been in this before, I'm not, we're not going to go into a lot of detail of it, but Luther taught that liberty of conscience is the most important part of faith. Let there be no compulsion, I have been laboring for liberty of conscience, liberty is the very essence of faith. Now, this is from Daubigny, the historian. Ellen White quoted Daubigny four times, quoting Luther on this very thing. And... Uh, <clears throat> 
uh, on con uh, the concepts of justification by faith and liberty of conscience. Here are the references. Signs of the Times, October 25, 1883. I think we did this the first or second day. Uh, Spirit of Prophecy, Volume 4, 1884. The Great Controversy, <clears throat> oh, that's page eight, 148. Great Controversy, 1880 edition, 189, and the same with the 1911 edition. So, from Protestantism, liberty of conscience spread to civil governments. This is what was going on in Europe. And from Protestantism, liberty of conscience spread to, uh, he quoted, uh, said it, <clears throat> Western civilization is the non-intended consequence of justification by faith. Everything we see today is a, is a consequence, but it was not intended. They didn't, even the French, uh, not the French, uh, the German Revolution, uh, Reformation, was a consequence of justification by faith. Everything in Western society uh, is there. Now, <clears throat> um, I didn't use this one before, but just kind of a summary. Justification by faith by Luther uh, primarily. Now, there were others also, but uh, he was the one that understood the relationship between liberty of conscience and justification by faith. Uh, <clears throat> and from liberty of conscience, we have the priesthood of all believers. From... Did I hear something? This is Oh, benches, okay, all right, thank you. Uh, then we have the separation of church and state, and from that, religious and civil liberties, and then you have capitalism and economics, and from that, you have constitutional government. And from that, we have the land of the free, or it was free, and that's the United States of America, and uh, with, the, with the principles that God had laid down in the uh, Declaration of Independence. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. You want it like that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll just charge you when you get through. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 Now let's get into. Uh, um, this is kind of an outline of Chapter Twelve. Uh, the first five verses, you have the woman, the dragon, and the child. Who is the child? Christ. Christ was a child. the child. The enemy was waiting for him to be born so he could kill him. And he tried right, right from the start. But he couldn't get the job done. And then you have, in verse 6, you have the woman's flight into the wilderness for 1260 years, days, which are years. Then you have the war in heaven, 7 through 9, when the angels, the fallen angels were cast out. And then in verse 10, we have, uh, and, and 11, uh, salvation comes through Christ. The accuser of the brethren is cast down. This is the second casting down. He was cast out of heaven, and uh, this, I believe, was from the gate of heaven. There's three casting downs of the devil. Number one, he was cast out of heaven, and then he was cast down at the cross, from the cross. He was cast down from the gates. Ellen White, steps, uh, early writings, she talks about how the devils would wait for the angels to pass to and fro from, uh, from heaven at the gate. They would go to the gate of heaven. He could never go back into heaven again. But they could go and they would harass the uh, angels and tell them, look at how wicked these uh, people that you're serving are, are who's supposed to be serving God. And <clears throat> as this went on, and she talks about some kind of an identification that the angels could pass to and fro from, from that. Now, up until the cross, the devil had access to the gates of heaven, the out, outside of it. But after the cross, he was cast down, so he could not go there. The next one is going to be at the end of the millennium, 
when he'll be limited alone to this earth. Today he still has access to other, other worlds. And there's a tree of life and knowledge, or tree of knowledge, knowledge of good and evil in other, other worlds. He can go to that tree, but he cannot force the people to uh, partake of it. But he will be completely, uh, Ellen White in Great Controversy, he, he, he will be limited alone to the earth. He's locked in to the earth for a thousand years. What a time that would be to, for him. All, you know, active always, all he can do now is fight with his angels. <laughs> and they do fight among themselves. Except they're very united on one object, and that is Christ. Yeah, and the coming. Yeah, well, yeah Luke uh, ten eighteen. That's when Jesus said, "I saw Lucifer falling, or Satan falling, as it was like lightning." So it was a it was a, a forceful event. Then in ten and eleven, you have salvation coming. This again, the accuser of the brethren was cast down, and again from oh wait a minute, so I had two of those. Now, then you have the second part of that. The, women's, the woman's offspring overcame the dragon by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So you've got the cross of Christ in the middle of... Well, you have, you have the cross of Christ at, at the beginning. It's by implication. The devil came to try to kill him as a, son, as a baby. But then it says Christ was taken up from heaven. And so in between there, you have the cross, which is, which is implied. Here it's stated explicitly... That's by the blood, of the, the blood of the Lamb that we can overcome. And then the last verse is, the war continues with the remnant, but it's they who have the testimony of Jesus. <laughs> so he had the, he's all the way through the, that chapter. And, um, and here in 10 and 11, it says, they did not love their lives unto death. They would rather die than uh, turn from Christ. And then in 11 and 12, you have rejoicing in heaven, but woe on the earth, because the dragon was cast to the earth. He's filled with rage and wrath because he knows he does not have much time left. And then 13 and 14, persecution of the church continues. Now in verse, you have it in verse 6, and the time element, the wilderness, the place, the nourishment, and you have the same idea in verse 14, and where God prepared a place in the wilderness to nourish his church for a time, times, and half a time. And then in 15 and 16, and we're going to come back to that a little bit later, a persecution of the church by the serpent, the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the devil's flood designed to drown the truth as it is in Jesus, and especially on justification by faith and liberty of conscience. From 14, This is from Haskell. From 1492 and onward, Europe heard reports of a new land beyond the seas. When Germany refused full liberty and clung to some of the forms of papal tyranny, Protestantism passed on to England. England and Holland for a time gave freer scope for the development of these principles. But space was limited in the Low Countries. And the British returned at last to the kings and those seeking liberty of conscience passed to the eastern shores of North America. In America, the oppressed had freedom of worship, the right to educate their children according to their ideas of God, and the privileges of free, a free government. These were the things sought by the Pilgrim Fathers. This is from Haskell's book on the, uh, the story of uh, Seer of Patmos on the book of Revelation. So then we have verse 17. The dragon is enraged. He makes war with the remnant of her seed. And the remnant is identified. And you and I, 
are part of that remnant. Remnant. <laughs> uh, there's some people trying to put that idea down of no remnant, but it's. And I'm sure there's a remnant in other denominations. I'm not, I'm not discounting that, but this is talking about God's people in the last days with an identifying marks of uh, of the government of heaven, and it's the law of God and the testimony of Jesus. Now, the remnant is made up after the earth helped the woman. It was after the United States was opened up for the people coming here from other parts of the world for civil, well, number one, to start with, it was religious liberty, and then it became civil liberty, and then there was a switch in the thinking of some of the pilgrims that uh, they turned back from what they, what they were here for and started persecuting like they had been persecuted in Europe. But the United States, North America, opened up the floods of persecution was almost devouring what God had started, and so he opened up. And I think, well, I had it up there earlier, 1492, God had this in mind. <laughs> he knew it was coming, and, uh, and, uh, and so he was preparing the way for that. Um, Haskell asked some questions uh, another part of his book. He said, what was God's purpose in the discovering of the United States of America? To what country did Protestantism pass after Germany refused full liberty? What country gave free scope for the development of these principles of freedom? What course did the British finally pursue? And we already read where they turned back from uh, what they, they, they were involved in at one time. What course did the British finally pursue? And to what country did these principles of liberty then pass? What freedom did America give it's people, yeah, okay. When some men advocated a return to former principles, how did God interfere? There were some uh, in the early days of, of the America that wanted to go back to what they had. A king, actually. I've got a statement. I don't have it with on this one. But um, when uh, George Washington, after the war, was offered, or he was president, he was offered to be a king. The Americans wanted to make him a king. And he refused. <laughs> and King George, who hated Americans to a large degree, at least he, he wanted to control them, he mentioned that, uh, that uh, George Washington refusing that kingship was a, greater, a great man. <laughs> he, he recognized the principle of character that, uh, that he had. And uh, here we have, and we're going to get into something here a little bit later, but take a look at this picture. You've got a woman. She's standing on the moon, got the sun behind her. She's got 12 stars in her head. And you got the devil and his angels, I guess, are represented by those fallen stars. Now, the woman and her seed and the dragon takes us back to Genesis chapter 3, where we see the enmity placed between the seed of God and the seed of the devil. And you remember what happened to the devil. I've got a, I like this uh, I like this. Uh, yeah, look at there. God says, you're going to go on your belly. And uh, this thing would go on forever if I let it. <laughs> but I like it. It, it shows um, how, what, we don't know for sure what the, what the serpents were. We're, told, we're given some kind of a description by Ellen White. Had wings, they could fly. Highly intelligent. Probably the most intelligent creature other than a human being. Uh, because the devil used the best that he could get. And, uh, and it was this, this is a part of the curse that he has to, the snakes have to be involved like this. 
So the Lord said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between her, your seed and her seed. He will bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Here is a, a painting that I thoroughly enjoy because it's, I mean, it's very graphic. You have a, you have a snake biting the heel of Christ and it's uh, fixed to the cross of Christ in, when he died in, on Calvary. But he couldn't kill him. He, he tried to infect him, but he couldn't do it. And uh, <clears throat> this was the death knell for the devil. And here's from, uh, from Ellen White. In the Savior's expiring cry, it is finished, the, the death knell for Satan was rung. The great controversy which had been so long in progress was then decided. The final eradication of evil was made certain. The Son of God passed through the portals of the tomb that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. So this is, this, and this is played out in, um, uh, in this lesson. Now Genesis 3.15, as we look at this, Tremendous light shining in the darkness for Adam and Eve, but also for us. In this light that comes from Genesis 3.15, we have Christ, but something else, the next slide will show this. There are two two, uh, teachings, main teachings that come out of this verse, that number's prophecy and the other's the gospel. Both of them find their roots in 3.15. All the whole Bible is there. And so here, what we have is Christ crushing the head of the serpent, but you have the prophecy and gospel going, uh, Daniel and Revelation is embodied in there. (laughs) Everything, everything is there. And uh, uh, Christ and him crucified and defeating the enemy. There is a false gospel, however. And here is an interesting one. This is from the Douay, Douay, Douay Reims Bible. I will put enmities between thee and the woman, and thy seed and her seed. She shall crush thy head, and thou shalt lie in wait for her heel. What do you think of that? Now, who would this be talking about? This, yeah, Mary is the one that's connected here. This, is, this blasphemy is the foundation of papal salvation. It is papal dogma. In fact, I read, a, I read a, uh, some question and answers of Catholics. Uh, someone wrote in and said, uh, who is the woman in, uh, in, in Genesis 3.15? Is it the church or is it Mary? And the answer was, it is the immaculate Mary. She never sinned and she crushed the head of the serpent. It's absolutely amazing. Um, but, and this is the mystery of iniquity. Yes, but they say it's Mary. And I, I uh, was doing, presenting this one time, and a fellow came up to me afterwards. He said, have you ever read the, the Latin? Because the Douay Reims comes from the, from the Latin, uh, Jerome, uh, primarily. But uh, I said, no, I haven't. And uh, I said, but I'll do it. I'll, <laughs> I'll look at it. Sure enough, same thing. See, she, yeah. So that's why that, the English translation is translated that way. But here's another close-up. You notice here... Uh, now, is the woman in uh, Revelation, or not, <laughs> I gave it away, in Genesis, is she standing on the moon? In Revelation? Where do you find, where, yeah, she's on the world. Uh, where, where do you find a woman standing on the moon? Revelation 12.1. Revelation 12.1, exactly. 
So they've combined Genesis 3.15 and chapter 12, verse 1 of Revelation as being both being married. It's amazing, amazing. Um, the statue with Mary standing on a snake is based on what is written in the Catholic Bible. Then you have another one. This is, I'm going to even get a better one than this, but uh, this one I like because it has the sun shining. And you have, um, these are streams of light of grace. Grace comes from Mary. This is amazing. And here's one that's even better. I like this one better because, uh, and you have, yeah, you have 12 stars. Of course, you only, the, the other two are behind, three are behind, behind her head. But that's, and you got her, you know, she's standing on the serpent and you got the moon under her feet. It's amazing. Um, and again, uh, I will put enmities between thee and the woman. Thy seed and her seed, she shall crush thy head. Thou shalt lie in wait for her heel. But this is the true interpretation of, of, of uh, Revelation 12.1. The, the woman represents the church, not a single individual. Church in its two phases, from Old Testament to New Testament times. And the devil waiting for Christ to come to destroy him. But he couldn't do it, didn't get the job done. Then we move to chapter, or verses 6 and 14. Uh, let me just read this one first. Uh, the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. So I've got the woman in italics, and we'll see that when it come up. Uh, the wilderness, the place, uh, and, the, and the time element here. And then in verse 14, you have the same, same thing. The woman... Uh, the place, wilderness, time, times, and half a time. So these are equated in the, in the book of Revelation. And this is the interpretation for Daniel. Yes. You know, Daniel only deals with time, time, and dividing of time, both in Hebrew and in Aramaic. And uh, so um, here then, um, here is something that I, I am fascinated with. Fascinated with. Um, Years ago, I have a, and still a close friend, a lady who was a teacher, and a good teacher. And she and her, her husband and I used to canvas together. And uh, one time we were sitting around talking about the philosophy of education. And I said something like this. I don't remember the exact words, but I said, uh, I believe that the Bible should be in every classroom as a textbook. She came unglued. <laughs> And she was a fairly calm woman, but she was an educator. And she said, that's not so. She said, uh, and I said, listen, I'm talking about principles. That, and I'm not talking about a workbook. You know, most of the books that we have, even the textbooks that we call textbooks, are workbooks. <laughs> they're study books. They're not, they're not a textbook. A textbook deals with principles. The Bible deals with principles of science. It doesn't matter. Philosophy, history, it doesn't, uh, sociology, it's all there. The principles are there. Then we go to the books and learn in detail what these things are about. Because there's some things God does not reveal to us in Scripture. He, 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 he knows that we can go some other places that men have developed. But we need to be careful that we understand the principles so we don't get sidetracked. But anyhow, she said in her, when she was upset, she said, tell me, can you teach uh, algebra from the Bible? And I said, well... I don't know. I said, I believe the principle is there. <laughs> but, but I don't know at this point in time. Well, several years later, the Sabbath school 
uh, Corey comes up with this. <laughs> and I looked at that, and I said, hey, could that be an algebraic formula <laughs> somewhere here? You know? <laughs> and I, this is what I did. And uh, uh, so we're going to have a little algebraic uh, class here. But here, this, this is scripture where you have uh, the two elements in um, chapter uh, 14, but also this is in chapter 13 and 11, where you have the 42 months, and uh, rather than 1260 days, but it works out the same. It's almost 30 days, you just multiply it by, by that, and you come up with 1260. Now, prophetic days are 1260 literal years. So, oh, before we get into that, yeah, here's something else. Daniel 12, uh, this is a chiastic structure. You got one and thirteen. Daniel or Daniel standing at the end. Jesus is standing at the, at the beginning. Then in three and ten, the wise shall shine. The wise shall understand. Then we go move back a little closer. Chapter or verse verse four and verse nine. The time of the end. The time of the end. What's in the middle? <laughs> time times and times. <laughs> That's the center of this. And I'm sure that Michael standing up is the most important. But this is very important. It, it's a, uh, Daniel is directing our minds to this time element. And th this is in uh, Hebrew. In chapter 7, it's in Aramaic. Are the verses on the side there? Pardon me? Yeah, these are the verses. Yeah. Uh, 1, 3, 4, 7, 9, and through 13. In 1335, this has to do with the, I mean, 13 has 1335 days or years. And uh, I believe that it was fulfilled in 1843. Yes. But uh, anyhow, uh, so Algebra 101, are you ready? <laughs> uh, these time elements, as I looked at them and I started working on something, let T equal time, 2T equal times, T divided by 2, a dividing of time. First step, T plus 2T plus T divided by 2 equals 1260. We still don't know what T is. But the second step, 3T, simply combining them and have the same thing, 1260. Then you remove the fraction by dealing with the number 2, and I probably don't have it on both sides, huh? Multiply on both sides. Yeah. And uh, here, and it looks like I've missed a step here, but you have, um, you have the equation, and you have multiply 2 times 1260, and you come up with uh, 2520. Or you combine those two, combine these two, and this, you come up with this, still 2520. Then to find, uh, to find t, you divide 7 as follows. 7t time, or divided by 7 equals 2520 divided by 7. And you come up with t equaling this. And then t is 360. Now, if you test it this way, t equals 360. 2t equals 720. t divided by 2 is 180. What's the answer? 1260 days. 
So I think you can teach elder. <laughs> what? Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, class dismissed. <laughs> uh, now we're going to move again. Now the um, pilgrims and coming here. Um, they escaped religious persecution uh, in uh, in Europe. Uh, England uh, started uh, heavy persecution, or had been study, uh, had been doing it quite heavily, and then uh, the mainland had been doing it off and on for quite a while. So the pilgrims at first moved to America to establish religious freedom. They were running from the governments there in Europe, and they were getting squeezed out in Holland. Many of them went to Holland. From the English went to Holland, and then from there they came to the States. But people came from from all over. Uh, the Far East, the Middle East, Africa, and probably even some from South and Central America <clears throat> after 1620. In time, those in the Northeast began to do the same things they were fleeing from in Europe. Uh, instead of allowing freedom of belief and expression by others, they started criminalizing them. And uh, here you have, this is a replica of the um, Mayflower, and that's where they made their covenant to work together before they got off the ship. And um, so here you have a statue of a Puritan in Massachusetts, but, um, and the word purify, uh, it comes from the word to purify. That's where they, they wanted uh, the Church of England to be purified, and uh, it didn't happen. Here are two men, um, Stevenson and Robinson were the first martyrs by the pilgrims. These men were fleeing um, England, coming to America. They were Quakers. And um, in 1656, uh, they were executed in the Massachusetts Bay Colony for their religious beliefs. The two had violated a law passed by the <clears throat> Massachusetts General Court banning Quakers from the colony under penalty of death. In 1656, and I think they came the year before, the Puritans of Massachusetts Bay passed laws expelling Quakers from the colony. If a male Quaker should return to the colony, he would at first, on the first offense, have one of his ears cut off. For the second offense, he would have the other ear cut off. Women uh, would be whipped for the first offense. For a third time, both men and women would have their tongues bored through with a hot iron. For a fourth time, coming back to the colony warranted death. Quaker Mary Diver, Dyer continued to return and on June 1, 1660, following her fourth arrest, was hanged in Boston Collins. <clears throat> And here's a drawing of her trial. I think she had convinced the ones who were judging her that they were wrong, but they still went ahead with, with the degree they had given. And uh, here's a, here's a uh, marker at her grave. But notice it was a witness for religious freedom. And uh, she was hanged for it. And others too. Then you have uh, Roger Williams who came, and he, he was sick and tired of what was happening in England. He was a Baptist. And he came here, a very powerful speaker. And he was offered uh, jobs in Boston. He took one, I believe, for a while. 
but they were they were going to set him up for for life as far as pensions and all this. He had a, it was a good thing going, but he got in conflict over liberty of conscience. He felt that the colony was not doing right by what they were doing, and he kept preaching about it, and he got in trouble. <laughs> and so someone warned me, "You better get out of here; they're coming after you." So he fled in the middle of winter. He spent three months, I think, in in the winter. And if you know the winters in the Northeast, they're pretty pretty cool up there. I've read where he actually um, slept in a tree, hollow tree sometimes. And he went to a group of Indians that he had been trying to convert. And they, they liked him because he was a very, he was not a hard man. He simply, he tried to work with them. And uh, they, they were actually the ones that kept him alive through that, through that winter. Then he went to, <clears throat> went to uh, what became Rhode Island. There's a bay there. And uh, he actually... Uh, he bought the property. He was the first man to ever buy property <laughs> from the Indians instead of taking it from them. And they loved him for it. And, uh, and then uh, Rhode Island became a, uh, it became a ha <clears throat> haven for Quakers, for atheists. Uh, and and he, he had a terrible time with Quakers. They were, they were very, very strong-minded, and they were trying to make everybody a Quaker. But because he believed in religious liberty, liberty of conscience, he would not expel them. <laughs> but he had a, had a hard time with them, uh, and probably the atheists too. But, <laughs> but he believed in religious freedom. And uh, he's the one that established that principle that finally made it to the Constitution, or the, or the, uh, yeah, the Constitution and also the uh, Declaration. Yeah. yeah, religious freedom, that's right. Here's the church that's still standing. <clears throat> I don't know if it's original or not. <clears throat> but I've been there, and uh, it's, uh, it's in Providence, uh, Rhode Island. And uh, this is the inside of the church. It's quite a, quite a place. But they don't, uh, what? Looks awful old. Oh, yeah, it's an old one. Uh, most, of the, most of the churches back there are the yeah. same style almost. Here's the congregation. I don't know if it's all of them or not. It's not a really big congregation. I talked to some of the leaders there, what they were doing. I said, you know... Uh, you guys, you, you ought to have some kind of a um, meeting or a place where people can come and study the Constitution and, and study what, uh, what uh, your forefather did. And they, I, they, I don't think they're doing it. I don't, I don't know why. It's just a whole home and they go on. But, but it was, I mean, I had nice talking to them. They, they gave, us a, gave us a tour of the place. But, um, so Roger Williams... Uh, founded the state of Rhode Island. He advocated the separation of church and state in colonial America, one of the very few that did. His views on religious freedom and tolerance, coupled with his disapproval of the practice of taking land from Native in in Americans, earned him the wrath of the church and banishment from the colony. So he and his followers settled in Narragansett <laughs> Bay, where they purchased land from the Indians and established a new colony governed by the principles of religious liberty and the separation of church and state. Rhode Island became a haven for Baptists, Quakers, Jews, and other religious minorities. Nearly a century after his death, William's doctrine of the wall of separation between church and state inspired the founders of the United States who incorporated it into the United States Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And this is a concept that there should be a complete separation between church and state. 
if you, when they come together, and this is what's happening today, they're trying to piece these things together. When that happens, there will be religious persecution. They'll be denying of uh, religious liberty, liberty of conscience, and of justification by faith. If, if a person fights justification by faith, they will fight religious liberty. If a person or a group fights religious liberty, freedom of conscience, they will fight desperately against justification by faith. And we're seeing this happening uh, uh, here in, in America. Here's a, uh, one of the things that we're seeing now. One nation under God, not the Ninth Circuit. <laughs> and the Ninth Circuit, that's in, of course in, in California, versus God's law. But what these people are doing, they're trying, this, is, this happened right from the beginning of the, I don't think the ink was dried on the Constitution. <laughs> there were religious leaders that said we must make this a Christian nation. And uh, the, the framers said, no, we are not a Christian nation. They were Christians that put it together. But the fact they were Christians and wrote it the way they did was evidence they believed in the separation of church and state. Yeah, well, there are many. There are many of the uh, evangelicals, your fundamentalists and some of those. And there may be some Seventh-day Adventists too. I don't know. Uh, be, uh, but this is, uh, we're going to run into this uh, before the thing is over with. But the First Amendment's free exercise clause was once, in the opinion of the Founding Father, the most important part of the Bill of Rights. No provision in our Constitution ought to be dearer to man, Jefferson wrote in 1809, than that which protects the rights of conscience against the enterprises of the civil authority. And uh, in the treaty to, or with Tripoli, signed between the United States and Libya, it states that the government of the United States, the gov- yeah, the government of the United States of America is not in any sense founded on the Christian religion and that it has in itself no character of enmity against the laws, religion, or tranquility of, and you're speaking about uh, Muslims. And uh, <clears throat> this, uh, this one is being denied, but it was a, a legal contract that the, that the government uh, entered into, making a statement of what they believed at that time. And uh, <clears throat> it's time to go, huh? Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we probably, let me see what we got here. Well, yeah, maybe we can stop with that. We'll continue tomorrow. I want to just, let me double check. Thank you for reminding me. I, yeah, well, here, I'll just, I'm going to drop down. We'll look at some of this before. Here is the American Eagle and the flag and <clears throat> the Declaration. And look at this one. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's happening to the old eagle. <clears throat> and I'll we'll look at some other things. Uh, but uh, we're being strangled <clears throat> by, sometimes by Christians. But we need to, here, we've looked at this one before. <clears throat> Several have written to me inquiring if the message of justification by faith is the third angel's message. And I have answered, it is the third angel's message in verity. Now, again, where you have justification by faith, you have embodied in it liberty of conscience. And so the three angels' message is dealing with that principle. The mark of the beast, all this has to do with conscience. And... Uh, and Ellen White speaks that God's people will be brought into close combat with the beast and his image. And so we may uh, <clears throat> get into that uh, tomorrow. But <clears throat> anyhow, that's some of the things that have happened <laughs> in America. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for the history that you have given to us, both of Europe and America. 
Thank you that you've given, you've made available the principles that we all operate from. And we pray that we might be on your side of the issue when we're dealing with people, and especially in these last days. Thank you for your promise. I believe that you'll keep us by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.